It is Saturday, August 13th, 2022, and this is Seaside Joe, a football podcast, a companion show to seasidejoe.substack.com, a daily Seahawks newsletter. You already know that, but if you don't, go to seasidejoe.substack.com for a free daily Seahawks newsletter. Been running for the last 1,257 days in a row, including today, including tomorrow, including bonus posts every single day. So you already are subscribed, and I would just ask, tell somebody about Seaside Joe if you like it, if that's something that feels like it's in your wheelhouse. We do appreciate it. And what they're going to get this week to anybody that comes to Seaside Joe is a review on how the Seahawks played in their first preseason game, losing to the Steelers 32-25, but the score was an afterthought to everything else that happened in the game. And everything that else that happened in the game is kind of an afterthought to the Seahawks we should expect to see in week one against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson at Lumen Field. So what I mean by that is whatever happened tonight, we did gain some information about the quarterback competition we did gain a little bit of information maybe on the offensive line and what the strengths are of this team as past the ones that we already know about like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf who didn't play like the two safeties who didn't play basically Seattle was playing nine backups on defense probably you know half of the the uh, starters on offense were backups no Rashad Penny out there on Saturday night not that we would have expected that but we did get a full complement of the other three running backs expected to be on the team this year and they looked fantastic so more reasons for optimism with Seattle's offense if it just centers around this offensive line their ability to run block their ability to pass protect and the running backs ability to create yards after contact and to make players miss like we know that Kenneth Walker the third can do like we uh, believe that Rashad Penny can do after he rushed for you know 750,000 yards last season in the last one quarter of the season so and by the and I mean the last quarter of the last game Rashad Penny had all those yards that's all it took one play but we are going to expand those plays over 17 games this season and do I think the Seahawks should feel encouraged about the team, the product they're about to put on the field in week one against the Broncos and so on and so forth until the season finale? No, I don't think that Seahawks fans necessarily can have a lot of reason for optimism for the 2022 season. I don't think we gained any more optimism based on how Seattle played against Pittsburgh. And that's even though that is the backups, you know, the Steelers are putting out a lot of their backups and what we saw from Seattle is a team that did a really bad job of tackling on defense. Like I said, most of these guys are backups. We learned some of the players that maybe shouldn't be out there this season, like Nick Ballore at linebacker, not a guy that should be playing at linebacker for any defense in the NFL. No offense. You know, Nick, you're going to make the team anyway. So I would, uh, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Pete Carroll was putting him out there because he did need to see Nick Ballore do something as a linebacker and there were just too many missed tackles too many times when Nick Bloor was in coverage of the guy making the play too many times where it seemed like it just was a weakness on Seattle's defense and whether that was Mitchell Trubisky or Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett who played the entire second half and had phenomenal had a had a pretty great uh, preseason debut for the Steelers you know they all were successful to some degree against the Seahawks defense 
And so defensively, what Seattle can take out of this game maybe is that some of the encouraging signs that we saw out coming out of training camp, like from rookie cornerbacks Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, who obviously we had our eyes on tonight, we can say maybe their advanced play has something to do with the quarterbacks throwing the balls in practice. Of course, we didn't see any Jacob Eason on Saturday night. It was just Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And the verdict, first half, Geno Smith, second half, Drew Locke. Pretty standard way to run a quarterback competition that's a two-man race, although that's not what Mike Tomlin did. The Seahawks didn't feel the same degree you know they didn't want to do it that way uh mike tomlin isn't really putting kenny pickett in the quarterback competition for pittsburgh although based on what we saw tonight i don't think it would be surprising if kenny pickett ended up starting the most games this year for pittsburgh maybe if it just gets five six games into the season with mitchell trubisky it's not going to be at all unusual for tomlin or any head coach to say okay i'm going to the uh, rookie because I don't know if you're going to be that encouraged by what you had seen from Trubisky and Rudolph. And that was even knowing, hey, Seattle didn't play great defense on Saturday night. So what did they do well? Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably have seen my recap of the game. It comes out within minutes of the game ending. And it is long, comprehensive, exhaustive. It's got clips, highlights rundowns play-by-play statistics everything you need is right there in the seaside joe substack post-game article and i have stock up stock down and stock up and down for a number of players that were in this game tonight because we are tracking how close they are to making it you know to the roster or to the starting lineup you know and so i think we did gain some information tonight on that You know, a lot of the stuff will come out later on and will be revealed by just sort of reports. Pete Carroll, the coaching staff, the cuts, everything. Seattle must make five cuts by Tuesday and then another five cuts the week after that. As far as who the first five cuts will be, we might see one or two cuts from guys who had their names called tonight, but it wouldn't be that surprising if it was guys who didn't. I don't know, maybe Joel DeBlanco, who led the Seahawks in tackles tonight, but isn't going to make the roster and... You know, maybe didn't have a fantastic game just because he led the Seahawks in tackles. Just signed Jamison Houston, the cornerback, as depth at cornerback because of all the injuries. I don't know if Jamison Houston got on the field tonight, but he could be one of the first guys cut on Tuesday. And it's pretty obvious that even though every time we look at Seattle's depth chart and we look at the cornerback groups, we go, hey, there's seven, eight names here that you would think are going to be on the team But, of course, that's not going to be true. There's only going to be five at most six. And that's now all of a sudden so questionable because I wonder how the Seahawks are going to be able to roll with the cornerbacks that they have right now. Sidney Jones, the fourth, has missed, what, 10 days, seven, eight, 10 days, injured concussion. And those concussions, you know, completely unpredictable. Got to be careful with them. And Sidney Jones hasn't been out there. And obviously he wasn't out there tonight and he probably wouldn't have been even if he was healthy, but no Sidney Jones, no Artie Burns on Saturday night. And instead the closest thing we got to a starter was Justin Coleman. And he was one of my first players to mark as stock down. Justin Coleman didn't look especially good in coverage on first glance. And it seems like for a player who costs 
more money than a rookie or, you know, a camp body or something like that. And he's going to have to prove, hey, I'm no, you need me in that slot. You want me in that slot and you need me in that slot. So that's not exactly what we saw from Justin Coleman on Saturday night. So if it's not going to be Justin Coleman, then you would say, okay, is that a, is that an opportunity for Ugo Amadi to go in there and uh, win a job? Is that an opportunity for Kobe Bryant, you know, who has been playing nickel in training camp for the last few days? It seems like Pete Carroll's running through a few combinations for veterans on both sides of the ball to see what kind of depth he might have if he does make a cut of a veteran, whether that's Justin Coleman at nickel or Gabe Jackson at right guard. On Saturday night, we saw Jake Curhan play quite a lot of right guard with Abe Lucas taking over at right tackle. Curhan, I think, played the first two series and then moved inside, and Abe Lucas took over at right tackle. So we saw a bunch of, of those guys uh, into the second half with Drew Locke, even after Fuller and Forsyth had come into the game to, to play left tackle center. It was still Lucas, still Curhan. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the snaps were at left guard, how those were divided, but we did see uh, several combinations, but a lot of snaps for Lucas. You know, a first half for Charles Cross and Pete Carroll saying after the game that he was encouraged by the play of his two rookie tackles, Cross and Lucas. So that's good. But certainly you want to talk about the quarterback competition. And this is Seaside Joe. Okay. So what do you get when you get Seaside Joe? You get. Objective honesty. I'm not here to please anybody, uh, although I hope the listeners are like, well, I'm pleased that you're not trying so hard to please me. And so hopefully that's what you get. It's never negativity. I've never been negative once in my life. I've never been pessimistic ever about anything. I've never been negative. Uh, I've only ever been realistic. I've only ever tried to tell the truth. And the truth is, the Seahawks have one of the worst quarterback situations in the entire NFL, and it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better between now and week one and week one and week eight and week eight and week 17. I wish that I could give you some other answer, but we've been preparing for this for five months, ever since the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson and got back Drew Locke in return and then signed Geno Smith to compete with him. There wasn't really any other avenue to go out there and get a quarterback, and it's not the right time for the Seahawks to go out there and get a quarterback. So I think for the most part, people who follow Seaside Joe agree with me and will not be up in arms over me saying, hey, these aren't the right quarterbacks to get the job done, but we're not mad at the Seahawks for that reason. We think that the Seahawks got a very good return on the Russell Wilson trade, and we are not upset about the situation. But let's be realistic about it. Let's not try and grasp at straws about why Drew Locke or Geno Smith might be the quote-unquote safer choice, the quote-unquote better choice. They are neither safe. They are neither better. <laughs> None of them are the right answer. But I will say, as I've always tried to, you know, make it clear, I just think that Drew Locke is the guy. He is the guy that they will go to. He's the guy that they've always planned to go to. He's the guy that they expect to be the starter. It was never Geno Smith unless it absolutely had to be. And what we saw on Saturday was that it really doesn't have to be. Drew Locke's arm is better. Drew Locke is more 
talented, quote unquote, meaning he has the physical capabilities to run certain plays. So therefore, he is more of a threat. He would put defenses on their toes a little bit more. I don't know if that makes him all around better than Geno Smith, but just because Geno Smith doesn't throw the ball downfield, it doesn't make him safer. There is a reason, you know, what is safe about avoiding interceptions? Safety in the NFL is scoring points. You want to be safe? Score the most points. You want to play it safe? Score points. Going out there to object to drive to have the objective of winning 13 to 10 is not playing it safe. That's playing it dangerously. That's risky. There is no safe just because a guy is guaranteed to have zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. That is not safe. If another guy throws three touchdowns and three interceptions, he may have had a better game. He may have had a much better game. Three touchdowns is worth 21 points. Is three turnovers uh, giving up 21 points? Maybe. Does it put you in a worse, bad position? Yes. Is Do you want the turnovers? No. But do you want a guy that can't do anything either? No. So I'm sorry. I don't think Geno Smith is the safe choice. He seems pretty risky to me. He's been a backup in the NFL for seven years. He's a bust. He's a bust. Can you imagine any other situation, team, life moment where you were taking a quarterback seven years after he was a bust and trying to make a point for why he should be the starter for your team. I don't get that. That's, you know, like Mitchell Trubisky, similar to Geno Smith, except six years younger, came in in the league so much, you know, four or five years after Geno did. I don't really think that Mitchell Trubisky should be starting. I'm surprised that the Steelers bought into that hype. But that's something a little bit more understandable than Geno Smith. You want Mike Glennon to be the Seahawks starter? Is that what you were thinking? There is no Geno Smith becomes a good player. There is no the Seahawks quarterbacks are fine. The Seahawks quarterbacks are not fine. You want to move on? You want to accept it? You want to have a better time this season? Then just know that the Seahawks quarterbacks are not fine and hope for you know a good offensive line performance this season. An encouraging season by Charles Cross and Abe Lucas at the tackle positions. A healthy year for Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker III at the running back position. A bountiful season of some good highlights and you know carrying the quarterback when they can from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is a good season. A healthy year from Jamal Adams when he actually looks like a Pro Bowl safety is a good season. But the whole combined total value of all of the players on the Seahawks being dragged down by a bottom three quarterback room may not result in the playoffs. Everything I see in the comments section at Seaside Joe pretty much uh, you know, reaffirms what I say about that. And so I know I'm preaching here to a group of folks who all believe me, you know, but that's something where I feel I see on Twitter. Well, you know, Gino is this, Gino's that, Gino's that. 
Drew Locke here, maybe Drew Locke this, maybe Drew Locke that. Let's not forget that the Seahawks were playing the Steelers' second string, third string, and fourth string defense, and still Geno Smith and Drew Locke looked bad. And I love statistics now. Now you know I, I love statistics. I used to love statistics, and then I hated statistics, and now I love statistics. Why do I love them again? Because they make people look stupid. And if you're going to go out there and talk about statistics and passing numbers and go, well, if I had 5 of 6 and 10 of 12 and 3 of 4, he went 5 of 5 and he was 12 of 13, yeah, if we could go back to 1999 or 1995 and tell Rick Meyer, hey, you're just going to throw the ball one fucking yard, can you complete it? <laughs> then I think Rick Meyer would have been, quote unquote, okay. You know, the, the, the job of quarterback has become so simplified and easy for those that really do not expand the game beyond that realm of, okay, well, we figured out some solutions here as coaches and offensive personnel, a way to have a higher completion percentage if you just throw screen passes and dump offs and check downs and your tight end and, you know, straight across and three yards behind the line of scrimmage to Dariq Young and Bo Melton and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's ways to mitigate how terrible the quarterbacks are to make them a little bit more productive and efficient, but that does not make them good. You know why? Because good is a relative term and you know who's better? other quarterbacks who can throw the ball 10 to 15 to 30 yards down the field and complete it and put it in the one place where their receiver could get it. I'm making Clark bark like crazy here because of the way that I'm talking. And I, I know you can probably hear that. It's okay, Clark. I just don't know what to say about Seattle's quarterbacks. The Seahawks are what they are going to be at quarterback and it's bad and that's fine if you cannot appreciate russell wilson and then turn around and say but i don't think the seahawks are that much worse off you don't get to do that you don't get to appreciate russell wilson and then say well drew lock and geno smith one of them will get us by just as well you don't get to you know love this game watching the playoffs last year patrick mahomes versus josh allen Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady's seven Super Bowls. Everything that goes into this game that we all sit here in, in January and February and ooh and ah, and anytime it's Monday Night Football and hey, guess who's tweeting? Oh, everybody's out there tweeting and it's time on Monday Night Football. Let's get out there and let's send our tweets about how awesome Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes is and Burrow. Let's all send our tweets. And then as soon as when that you're the team that you like don't hasn't have one of those guys, it's hey, well, hey, we can get by with Drew Locke. No, you can't appreciate the greats and then you know say. But I do think that the position itself is vastly, you know, generally speaking, overrated because people go and they go, well, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers are pretty good. He's got this passer rating. He's gotten to the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. And I know what you're saying now, too, because you're going, everybody knows Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. Then where were they when I said it in 2017? 
Where were they when I said Jared Goff was bad in 2018? Where were they when I said Cam Newton was bad in 2018? Where were they when I said, you know, all of these players? I mean, it's it's just one after the other after the other who puts up numbers. And then within a year or two, Marcus Mariota, they're just benched, you know, and it's like they're out there. And then all of a sudden, three to seven years later, they wind up on the Seahawks and they're starting. <laughs> and we're saying, okay. So that's where I'm at at the quarterback competition. It's not going to change. My expectation now is that Drew Locke will get a lot of reps with the ones in practice this week, and then he will start Thursday against the Chicago Bears. I don't know what Pete Carroll has revealed, but my line of thinking is that, and that's what I've been saying this whole time, so I'm going to stick with that until it's not. And if Drew Locke isn't starting against the Bears, then Geno Smith, I would assume, is the starter for week one. I don't know why you wouldn't get Drew Locke out there in week two. I don't know what you would – you want to have that week three game just in case you need one more reason to, you know, give another guy a shot. But if you put Drew Locke out there in the first half against the Bears and he wins, you know, and he looks like he's going to win the, the quarterback competition, you can take him out – not play him in the preseason week three. So that's why I think it's got to be Locke this Thursday. And then it's going to be – if they need to see them one more time, it'll be them one more time. And if they don't, it'll be Jacob Eason. And that's where what I would assume. Stock up. Ken Walker, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas, all three running backs, just start out in the game tonight. Kenneth Walker had an 11-yard catch. was probably my favorite play there that he had tonight, but he was solid as a runner, didn't get a lot of opportunities. Not that we expected him to, but he got his feet wet. And like I said, he's going to catch a lot of passes. He had an 11-yard catch from Geno Smith tonight. Travis Homer had over 70 yards in the first half. He's going to have a really important role on the team this year. He's like a two-minute running back. He's a third-down running back. He's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's going to run the ball. Travis Homer, he may be playing himself into a starting role somewhere in the NFL. You know, there's, uh, you know, and when I say starting role, like an important role that may as well be starting, you know, a complimentary duo committee, whatever. But he is a that kind of a back based on the, the little bit that we've seen here in the first couple of years and what he's been doing uh, with opportunities is very encouraging. And DJ Dallas, surprisingly, just dominating the second half, averaging over seven yards per carry, nearly helping the Seahawks and leading the Seahawks to a win there in the second half. Marquise Blair hadn't heard a lot from him, you know, in camp. And there's always the worries with the injury and what position does he play and is he going to get out there? And he had a forced fumble tonight and he played a ton of safety. And so maybe that's a sign that Pete Carroll's unsure about Marquise Blair and he's trying to give him opportunities. We'll see where this leads. But Josh Jones and Marquise Blair, the two starting safeties. And we know that the Seahawks are going to keep their two big safeties. Probably also, of course, Ryan Neal, depending on his high ankle sprain and his availability for week one. Then you've got Josh Jones, Marquise Blair, it's gonna and Bubba Bolden, you know, so it's uh, kind of an interesting competition at safety. Noah Fant had a few catches, also had uh, an unfortunate sideline, didn't get his feet in bounds for Geno Smith, you know, pass. And I would say Noah Fant, maybe he was more mixed reviews. Boy, Mafe, uh, two sacks in this game, a strip, first half, second half, he was all about it. Looks great right out of the gate. Wrote about him on Seaside Joe not long ago. Some people very high on him. And he looked every bit the part on Saturday. 
thought that Jake Curhan and Abe Lucas both came out ahead in Saturday night's game. So I was would be encouraged there that the Seahawks have a couple of offense linemen that they like, and maybe one will be a reserve. Maybe Curhan will play in at guard, and maybe Phil Haynes will start at right guard. Maybe Gabe Jackson will start at right guard. We'll see about that. Some guys whose stock went down, I talked about Justin Coleman and Geno Smith and Nick Bellore. Aaron Fuller, if you're going to make the team as a punt returner, you got to be perfect 100% in protecting the football, and he wasn't. Uh, Mike Jackson, a cornerback who had been surprisingly high on the depth chart and got a lot of opportunities tonight, showed off some speed, showed a little bit of coverage abilities, but maybe had more negative plays than positive plays, and it was a rough night for Mike Jackson. And then Jason Myers you know, is a guy that – He's got $4 million he's got to earn, and he wasn't really that great on his kicks tonight, and neither was Michael Dixon on his punts. So special teams wasn't exactly great on Saturday either. And then we had mixed play from Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, as well as Dariq Young and Bull Melton on offense. You know, these guys are rookies. We know that Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen uh, are going to make the roster. We know that Dariq Young and Bo Melton are fighting to make the roster, and whether or not tonight helped their cases or hurt their cases kind of remains to be seen but if Bryant and Woolen had to play early in the season that would be concerning Daryl Taylor not super good against the run tonight didn't look great uh tackling in pursuit but he you can see the dangerous production that he can have off of the edge so there's some encouraging stuff there so that's the Seahawks and the Steelers opening preseason game this Thursday against the Bears we'll learn a lot more I think we'll see Drew Locke out there with the ones and I believe uh, that Pete Carroll will name him the starter the week after that but uh, that's that's a prediction that I'm not qualified. Nobody is qualified to make unless Pete Carroll knows for a fact what's going to happen and is just holding it back. Um, that is a prediction that nobody on planet Earth can make. So we'll see what happens. That's just what I believe the Seahawks want to happen. So this is Kenneth Arthur. Come back next week. I'll be back with another episode with Thad Wenatchee, and we'll talk about Seahawks Bears, I imagine, you know, maybe after the game. Uh, for another instant reaction show. You know where to find me on Substack. You can find me on YouTube, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Seaside Joe News.